Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 62, since the phrase, with an abundance of caution, has become so overused as to be meaningless. And day 20 of this podcast. So, a small story. My husband Michael, as well as our friend Hannah Tinty, and I have run a writer's conference for the past 13 years that meets each spring in Positano, Italy, at the magnificent hotel one of Europe's finest small hotels, Le Cyrenews. This year, our conference would have taken place in late March. Obviously, that didn't happen. But not a day has gone by during which our friends in Italy, the owners, the staff, the restaurateurs, the shopkeepers, the people of the small seaside village of Positano have not crossed my mind. My guest today is Antonio Sersale, owner of Le Cyrenews. Antonio, thank you so much for joining me on The Way We Live Now. Well, it's a great honor to be um, joining you and be speaking to you. So I've been beginning every conversation with a question that I'm about to ask you, but I have to say that you are my favorite person to ask this question to, which is, where are you right now? Where are you sitting? What's your view? What are you looking at? Just describe where you are and what you see right now. Well, I'm in this very little house that um, Carla and I are living in at the moment. Carla's my wife, just by the hotel um, in Positano. And I'm actually lying on the couch because when I read, I love to lie down. I'm very strange. I don't sit when I read, I lie. So I'm lying down, looking out of the window at um, the view of the sea in the distance. I can almost picture it. Tell us what Positano and... Your magnificent hotel, La Cyrenuse, which is truly my happy place of all the places in the world. What would it typically be like in early May? In early May, it'd be bustling. The hotel would be practically full. Franco's Bar, which is this lovely bar we have just a little bit up the road, 
would be full. We'd be, Carl and I would normally be having an aperitivo there as we speak. Then we would go for, I don't know, dinner at um, the Champagne Bar, which would be full. So the hotel normally at this time of year is you know, at its, I don't want to say its peak, but almost. And the village would have um, lots of little restaurants open. All the shops would be open. So it'd be a bustling little, um, you know, seaside village at the moment. And tell listeners just a little bit about the history of La Sirenuse and about your family and how the hotel began. Well, my family on my father's side was an old Neapolitan family that lived in Naples. And they had this little property um, in Positano that they used to hardly ever come to. And during World War II, my grandfather was in a tram car and a bomb fell near it. And he sadly lost two fingers and got very scared of the bombing. And so he brought the family to Positano and they spent the duration of the war here. And after the war, they didn't know what to do. So they decided to stay in Positano a bit longer. And in 1951, um, they decided to turn this house that they'd been living in into a hotel. And it opened with 12 rooms. And then over the years, it grew. And um, the hotel was started by my father, two brothers, and a sister. And um, they dedicated basically um, their life to my father, went backwards and forwards because he lived also in in Iran. He was um, involved in the petrochemical industry for a while. But he, the last 20 years of his life, he basically dedicated them to the Sirenuza. And what is it like? Do you go over to the hotel every day now? What is it like to walk through the hotel? Well, it, it's so funny because... Um, you know, the hotel is, is really getting, I mean, I've been working on it all winter, preparing, and, you know, the final touches were being added. And then we were asked to stop all work as, um, you know, entering lockdown. But we were allowed to keep just a few employees. And um, with them, we continued uh, preparing, shining, cleaning. The hotel is looking so beautiful. Mm. I mean, the flowers are all um, blossoming. The walls have all been painted and it's looking lovely. And all that's missing really now is the wonderful staff and, and the lovely guests. Antonio, when did you realize that Italy was entering these troubled times and that the pandemic was hitting home? I mean, it hit home there pretty early. Well, you know, the thing is that it was it was so undervalued. I, I, I don't know the right word, but undervalued. I mean, we, we, we were joking. There were jokes around, you know, going around. And then all of a sudden it was here, you know, I mean, it just all of a sudden it appeared in the north of Italy. And before you knew it, we were, it, it all went so quickly. I mean, you know, every day they were closing down certain areas, then a bigger area, then a larger area, and they closed down the whole of Italy. It's just, it's just crazy the speed at which the whole thing happened, really. It was absolutely frightening. Yeah. And um, the thing is, I was very lucky that Carla and I found ourselves in, in Positano. Otherwise, it would have been very difficult for us even to come here, really. So there, at the point where there was a lockdown, it would have been very difficult to either get into the country or move around the country. Yeah, get into the country would have been practically impossible. Right. Um, you would have had to quarantine, so on and so forth. But even moving within the country became very difficult. Because the problem is this, that um, the North was, was more affected, but is much more prepared. But the South, um, you know, is, is this, I mean, the region which Positano is in is Campania, which is one of the regions with the highest density. Certain areas have the highest density in Europe, in fact. Mm -hmm. 
and you know the the medical infrastructure is not as strong as the one in the north although now it's being struck uh, strengthened very quickly so you know the the south was always um, has been protected very much and has been locked down a lot i remember the way there was this sense that i mean i think this is true for so many people that it snuck up on us like i remember you know we were supposed to have our writers conference um, at the end of march in your hotel and i remember getting a call from one of the students who was coming, who was a friend of mine. And she started sending me texts of news articles out of the Lombardy region. And I remember my feeling at the time was, oh, come on, you're just being paranoid. And I actually wrote to her, that is the North. We will be in the South. You know, and I, th I think about that now. And it was, of course, so naive or, you know, it just, it went from something that was so seemingly unimaginable to then it, it, it being here. And I remember when I spoke with you and, you know, we both agreed that it was out of the question to have the conference. It was early. It was early. I remember when we called the students or wrote to them and said that we wouldn't be holding the conference this year. Some of them were surprised. And then, of course, it just snowballed. So the question I have for you is, you know, I've been thinking about you a lot because as a hotel owner, you are the consummate host, and you have a life in which you have seasons that are quiet at Le Sire News when the hotel is closed for the winter months, and then there's the vitality of the opening. There's the sense of, you know, sort of everybody backstage making this magnificent, warm, welcoming environment. What's it like now for you to be in this period of time when you would typically be having breakfast and lunch and dinner at the hotel and you would be welcoming your guests and many of your guests come back year after year and are like family. What is the feeling like now? You know, it's very strange because you see this place that is so empty. It's, it's, it's almost eerie. And, you know, and, and it, it, there is a sense of sadness, but there is something that's happened in my life, which is actually very nice that with Carla, we're having a really nice time in this very sort of um, how you uh, homey life. So, I mean, we both go, I go to work in the hotel in the morning and I do what I would have normally done in the winter. Um, but without this sense of suffering of being in Positano, I'm actually very happy to be, uh, because in off season, you know, we would always come here for three or four days and then go away and then come back. And actually now we've, we've been enjoying it and we've been enjoying living in this tiny little apartment where we are, which was the house where my father lived for many years. So that's on a personal level. Mm -hmm. On another level of the hotel, I mean, it's, it's, I very much feel that it is greater than me. So I am an innocent bystander in this situation and I'm just awaiting in a certain way orders from the government. When will the people be allowed to travel interregionally? When will people be allowed to travel internationally? and I made a personal gift to every single staff member that was um, not employed yet because they've been receiving some subsidies by the government, but some of them hadn't received them yet. And so um, we're trying to do what we possibly can also to alleviate the difficulties of our wonderful collaborators and staff. Yeah, because I can't stress strongly enough the way that your staff are like family, and many of them have been at the hotel for many years. And when people come back you know, year after year, they are greeted like family. I mean, wh whether it's, you know, Agatha or Pepe or Vincenzo or, you know, there's such 
genuine warmth and love that is there. It can't be faked. It's real. How are they doing? And I'm also wondering how, you know, Positano is one of the places in the world that is truly unique. The small, unique shops, the restaurants, there are no chains. The vendors, how are they managing? And what do you think will, you know, what do you think the future will hold? I think the one thing that everyone's saying, which is, I think, something interesting is that there will be a redimensioning of tourism, i.e. there will be fewer people traveling. I think this idea of mass tourism is going to be curtailed a little bit. So there is a chance that, you know, once things reopen, people will see a village that they was not to be seen since many years. You know, there will be fewer people around and there will maybe be fewer day trippers. I think people are going to travel in a different way. I think you're going to want to go to one place and maybe stay still and, and enjoy that place for a bit, you know, because every movement will entail risk of contagion. I think people will will maybe travel in a different way, and I think this village has all to gain from it, really. Mm. The quality of life, both of the people visiting and of the, of the inhabitants themselves. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I remember once visiting Positano in the summer, in August, and the sort of intensity of the crowds being used to being there in the spring. I just remember thinking, my goodness, you know, it's just, just, I think one of the things that's happened with the pandemic is that feeling of being in a crowd is going to be something that's very, that's a little threatening to people for at least, you know, the immediate future, you know, whether it's a sporting match or it's a lecture or it's a rock concert or it's... Imagine a flight. Imagine a flight. Yeah. Someone I was speaking to recently was was even saying just getting on an elevator. You know, the the things that we have just always done unblinkingly and with no concern are going to have to be like reframed in some way. But what you described in being home with Carla and, you know, doing homey things, and there's something too that I think is happening underneath all this. I mean, I always look for silver linings, but but something that is um like a an invisible beginning of a flowering for many people, maybe getting down to what is elemental or what feels best or what matters most. So let me ask you this. I mean, this is, what's bringing you, what's bringing you hope right now? Um, what's bringing me hope? That's a, that's a really tough question because, you know, there's very little hope at the moment. You know, we live in seasons here, so I'm very much looking at this season. You know, so my season begins basically in April and ends basically the end of October. So I'm thinking, you know, what hope is there for this season? One day I have a bit more hope. I'm trying desperately to understand when they're going to open the interregional travel, which is essential because people from the north will be able to come to the south and there will be some possibility of having some tourists mm. visit us and some guests in the hotel. That gives me hope, you know, from an economical point of view and the well-being of my sort of, let's say, of my company um, and my hotel. Um, what also gives me hope is... Um, is the thought that I'll be able to see my, my boys soon. So, so I hope that, you know, I'll be able to travel and go to the United States and see Aldo and Francesco that Kara and I miss very much. And, and we'd love to see and spend time with, you know, we, we chat to them, we, we FaceTime, but it's just not the same, you know, these, these FaceTime sessions after a while get mm-hmm. tiring and you're desperate for human contact. And what gives me hope? I mean, hope is that 
people will discover a different way of of living. You know that. I mean, I'm I'm spending more time reading. I've 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 read a whole book that I absolutely adored. Uh, um, you know, on the on the Battle of Stalingrad, written by this amazing author, uh, Russian author called Vasily Grossman. Mm. And so, to enjoy that gives me hope. You know, and and also joy to have found things that I hadn't had time for a long time to do. No, that's beautiful. Um, and then my last question, Antonio, is: What do you hope that we learn? We will come out the other side of this. There will be a new world that we enter, and this will have been a time in history that we lived through. What do you hope that we learn from it, at least from your vantage point now? You know, it's 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 a very interesting question because it takes me back to a thought that happened when I was young. I had a mother and a stepfather who were always fighting. They always imagined that if they went somewhere else, they would find joy there. And my father always kept on saying, but you know, it doesn't matter where they go because wherever they go, they will take the problems with them. So I think, you know, we'd all gotten used to moving so much that we always thought that there was something better around the corner. There was something, you know, that was worth traveling somewhere else to or or going somewhere else to run away from the difficulties of here and that there we would find joy. And I think this is forcing us all to, you know, to be home, maybe some more time than other and to actually enjoy being home and and, and doing nothing and and not feeling guilty, you know. I, if I wasn't doing something, I felt guilty. You know, I didn't read because I felt guilty when I was reading. And now if I sit down and read a book, I know there should, there is nothing else I could be doing. There's no one I could be talking to, you know, so actually being forced to do things that, that actually you, you end up finding pleasure in. I love that. I, I find that true as well. And well, I just want to say that I look forward so much to walking through the doors of La Sierra News and seeing all of you people that, that I've grown to love over all of these years and looking out from the dining room that's filled, lit in the evening with nothing but how many candles? <laughs> 450 candles. 450, <laughs> but who's counting? Someone lights them every night. <laughs> You've written a beautiful little essay on the subject, actually. But I look forward to that and to the joy of returning and of gathering again. And may it be soon and sending love to all of you in Positano. Thank you so much, Danny. Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on, you might want to get a pen for this. 909-713-8995. That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here, and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.